In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Welcome to GirlfriendIt. Today we are diving right into the show because I don't want to waste a second. My partner in crime is playing and gallivanting in Lake Tahoe with her hubby, but she is definitely the one that's missing out because we have a fabulous guest today, Brooks Douglas. I had just recently seen him on a two-hour Dateline episode. I was so intrigued with his story that I obsessively began researching more about him. He has also appeared on the Today Show as well as Oprah and many other talk shows around the U.S. Brooks Douglas is a former Oklahoma state senator, and he co-wrote a movie called Heaven's Rain, which I just watched with my daughter last week, and we were literally sobbing through the movie. So on that tear-jerking thought, hello and welcome, Brooks. Hello, and thank you very much. I'm glad to, glad to be on. Thank you. Well, we are so excited, and I have to tell you, I, I just love your name, Brooks. And we, we were actually born in the same year, and I got stuck with the name like Patty, and you got the really cool hip name, Brooks. So I want to know the story there on how your parents came up with their name. All right. Well, um, my father's roommate in college was a, was a pastor, or eventually became a pastor by the name of Hal Brooks, uh, who pastored churches across the United States, but mostly in Texas. And um, my mom and dad both uh, liked the name, and, and so that was it. My first name's Richard after my dad. And so, oh. uh, yeah, so I go by my middle name. And, so, Brooks uh, is your middle name. Well, right. my daughter is nine, and she just recently asked me why my mom gave me such an old lady's name. And it had never occurred to me that Patty has turned into, like, Pearl or, you know, Betty or something. Well, Patty doesn't sound like an old lady's name to me. I, I like the name. <laughs> well, I love the name, Brooks. And um, so, I, yeah, I thought that. It's like, okay, how did his parents name him such a cool name? But, you know, you're in Hollywood, so you're allowed to make up a really, you know, cool reason for that, too, by the way. Sure. <laughs> I, I, like, I'm going to think of something better than, than <laughs> the truth, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, Brooks, you have gone from state legislator to businessman to producer and actor of Heaven's Reign. And I'm just going to dive right in because 
only having an hour with you, I'm going to be one of those people that, you know, like borderline stalker because I'm so intrigued with your story. Uh, So I just want to find out every little piece of information I possibly can. And I know our listeners are just dying to hear you just unveil all of this that has taken place in your life. But what has led you to creating um, this movie, Heaven's Rain? Well, um, I'd had, excuse me, I'm hoping I lose my voice entirely, but um, I, um, uh, for years after the the murders of my parents and all those things, I'd had people contact me, production companies contact me and saying, hey, we'd love to make a movie out of your story. And, and, and so, yeah, I knew that there was some interest in doing that. And then at the same time, I had an interest in making movies, um, but uh, never really had the opportunity to to get involved in that, and so um, I, you know, what what the, what I'd always noticed though, and this is especially before I eventually had the meeting with Glenn Egg, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but um, but afterwards, what they always wanted to focus on was the was the crime. They wanted to tell a crime story, true crime, and and that never interested me. I I felt like that what needed to be told was a story of my family and, and love and the kind of people that they were because had my parents not been the kind of people they were and not had the reputations that they did, I would have never had the opportunities that I've had throughout my life, like to become a state senator and, and things that I've done. And so uh, I wanted it to be a tribute to them. And, and then the, the most um, central theme of what uh, the story is, what that I think, and then ultimately what the movie is about is forgiveness, and and how you know not only is it what God expects of us, but I think God gives us the ability to forgive even when you know we don't know that that's going to happen, uh, and so I just um, you know there's there's themes that I wanted to have brought out, and so I moved to L.A. I started to um, to uh, get in, in involved in in acting, and then I got into a screenwriting class, and and uh, you know the, I'd shown the instructor some other things that I'd written. He's he said, well, you know, did you work for a senator at one time, or how to how you know what are some of these things that that uh, where are some of these themes coming from? And, and I never, none of them ever actually wrote my story or, or told my story, and so I just said. Uh, you know, I eventually told him the whole thing, and he said, well, that's what you need to write. And so, you know, I wound up sitting down, writing it, and then it went from there. Wow. Well, that is amazing. I I know I'm so intrigued by your story. I I had shared with you, I had a similar um, situation, and I want you to just unpack yours. And I know, like you said, so many times we want to focus on the tragedy rather than right. focusing on, on the healing and uh, the grace and the forgiveness. But um, people do relate to the pain, and they, um, I know in the movie Heaven's Rain, there was a, a part that the reporter that was talking to you, she was kind of obsessed with your story as well, and you had asked her, you know, why are you so obsessed with this? And it helped her with what was going on, the horrific thing going on in her life, and that that is, you know, pain is definitely a denominator that can help you to go, okay, how do I get to that restoration? How do we get to that point? Right. And uh, I know for me, um, my my mom was murdered as well. She 
was in a homeowners association meeting, her and my father, and a man walked in with like 700, you know, things of ammunition enough to take out a small town, which I believe he was ready to do that. He wanted to take out so many lives just out of his own, you know, bitterness and just an angry, angry man. And he walked into the room and announced, I'm going to kill you all, and just went on this 23-second shooting spree, which one of them that he put a bullet through with my my mom's um, back, and she um, didn't survive. You know, they air-vacked her to the hospital. And my dad had been, uh, he was a retired um a patrolman, and for him to be in that helpless situation, which I know that's exactly how you felt in in your situation, where you're just so helpless and you you right. can't control anything. And um, through all of this, it has definitely changed my life, and it it compels you to do things. And you know that God allowed it to happen for a reason, but when you're going through it, right. It, it's just so complicated, and to yeah. be able to, to see beyond at the point that, you know, you and I both can look back now and say, yeah, I get it, I get it. But a few things that I know took place in, in my life is I know someone had come up to me and, and made a comment about um, your Christian bubble. You know what? I believe that we're going into a commercial here, and I'm just yapping away, so... Stay, stay right with us, and we'll be right well, back. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on toginet.com. Thursday nights, get ready for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millette, at 11, 10 Central, on toginet.com. What are the Read My Lips Tips for Success? Well, it's spelled out like this. R. Realize it is possible. E. Embrace all relationships. A. Advance through adversity. D. Develop your significance. M. Manage your health and wealth. Y. Yield to your natural abilities. L. Listen to your heart. I. Invest in yourself. P. Persist by taking small steps. And S. Serve others. Each week on the show, you'll find a safe haven whereby tips, insights, and strategies are shared by Linnea and her guests. Go to Linnea's website, readmylipstips.com. Then join us Thursday nights at 11, 10 p.m. Central for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millette on toginet.com.
Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back to Girlfriended, and we have Brooks Douglas as a guest today who has been on um, Dateline, the Today Show, Oprah, and many other talk shows around the U.S. Brooks is the creator of Heaven's Reign, and we are just talking to him today a little bit about his life story of what took place when he was actually 16 years old. And Brooks, um, today I, I've just been all over the place in my conversation, and I just want to go back a little bit. We were talking about my situation of my mom being murdered and just relating that story to your situation, but I want to go back to when you were 16. What took place? I know that you had a knock on your door at home, and that, you know, has changed your life to to this day. So can you tell us a little bit about what happened that night? Sure. Um, Again, I'm sorry about my voice. Um, (laughs) What... uh, uh, you know, I've been home for for a few minutes, and and uh, I was uh, we had a, a knock at the door. My mom and or my dad, and my sister came and got me and said, "There's someone there who who uh, needs help." And you know, my father was a minister, and and uh, so ministers, family, missionary family, and so that's what we did is we helped people, and and so uh, I went and and uh, uh, he. I was more familiar. We lived on a farm, and I was—I knew the, who their neighbors were a little bit better. And he, he said, "Look, uh, look for these people, and and can I use your phone?" So I let him in, and, and to to go from there, basically, he uh, within a few minutes, uh, another guy came through the door with a double barrel shotgun. Uh, his name was Stephen Hatch, and then uh, Glenn Ake, uh, who was a guy that I let in first, uh, pulled out a three fifty seven Magnum, and he pointed it in my face, and. And uh, then they, they, he just started saying, you know what it's all about, you know what it's all about. And, um, you know, little things you remember. I remember my mom was standing there in the kitchen, and, and she reached over and she turned the burners down. She was fixing dinner, and she turned the burners down and on the stove. And then she and my sister went into the living room, and she said, you can have whatever you want, just don't hurt us. And, and over the course of the, the next couple of hours, um, you know, they hogtied us all with our hands and feet behind our back, laying on the living room floor. They uh, robbed us, tore everything apart, looking for money. They uh, then took turns raping my 12-year-old sister. Um, they discussed in front of us whether or not they were going to kill us and then sat down, ate the dinner that my mom was fixing, and then shot us all in the back and left. Um, my mother and my father uh, both died there in front of me and um, my sister was able to get loose and, and get to a knife and she cut us both uh, both free from the ropes and and then I drove us um, about eight miles into the nearest town to a doctor's house who got us uh, to the hospital into medical help Wow, that that I just can't even imagine. I know I have a 17 year old um, son that I, when I was watching the movie, you know, I, I, you can't help but just put all those emotions into your own children. And um, sure. I also have two daughters to think of of hearing, of, you know, what was going on and what they were doing to her and having to to listen to that. There's no way that. That your life can be the same. I know uh, that's what I was saying before. Is I had a, a woman come up to me and say, 
you know, you, you live in a Christian bubble, and after my mom was murdered, you know, your your bubble will never be the same, and it's right. And thinking, well, that was really a rude thing to say, <laughs> and not realizing she was right. It, it can never be the same. It's, right. it's, it's different. And um, I think that as, as Christians, um, especially at, at, at your age when this happened to be 16, it definitely pops your, your Christian bubble because you think that God is going to protect you and keep you safe no matter right. what. And that's not what he promises. He promises yeah. be there with us through it all and to wrap his loving arms around us, but um, safety isn't, isn't one of those things that, um, that we're promised. As a matter of fact, sometimes it can be really dangerous because we never right. know how God's going to use it, um, you know, to bring people to the Lord. Right. So did you have comments and things that were said to you um, by Christians that, that really tore into your faith and made you kind of question your faith? Um, certainly, um, you know, uh, I, make a comment real quickly to what you were just saying, because what you're saying is so true. And I think one of the things we don't realize living in America is we, we generally are safe. We, we live in one of the safest countries in the world, um, by and large, I and mean, there's certain cities that aren't uh, all that safe, but, um, but a lot of the people in the world that are Christians are in a place exactly where you're talking about. There's really not a Christian bubble. Um, and I do think that one of the things that happens as we, uh, for those of us that have been through a crime or we've been, we've, we've, any of us that have suffered in some way, that's when God really, I think, reveals himself to us and, and shows us what life is really about as opposed to, you know, a lot of the, the, the sort of lightweight stuff that we, most Christians, at least in America, go through on a regular basis. And people in other countries have to literally live by faith. And we saw that when we lived in Brazil, and I, and I, I think that impacted me and, and certainly my, my family. Um, but in answer to your question, the, we did have people, um, I remember one morning, uh, I think it was the second morning that I woke up in intensive care, and I, I opened my eyes and I looked up and I saw this woman from our church who was in there uh, trying to help, and and I still remember looking through these tubes and you know, an oxygen mask and all those things, and, and the first thing she says was, you have to forgive those guys. <laughs> and uh, and I, I can still, at first I remember thinking, what? And then from there, I was trying to figure out how I could get my hand out from under the sheet and grab her by the throat. Uh, <laughs> it was it, it was such an, a strange experience, and and I'm sure she thought she was being helpful, um, but at the same time, you know, <laughs> two days after, I, 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 I don't even. You know, even then I realized I got a lot to work through. Like, am I going to live uh, before I'm going to get to the point of thinking about forgiving anybody? And and so there's a lot of those kinds of comments. And I think sometimes, and a lot of times from well-meaning people, um, but it, it just doesn't help. In fact, it, may, it can make things much worse. Um, and that that's the point, too, is that... I, you really want people out there to hear this 
and, and being said in love. But as Christians, so many times we do say the wrong thing in these situations, and it can it's almost borderline spiritual abuse. Because right. it, it really is. It, I yeah. have a tendency to look back at some of the comments. I know just within days of my, my mom's murder, um, meeting with a group of pastors, and, you know, my brother's a pastor. Pretty much my entire family is in ministry. And um, the one pastor looked at me and said, you know, this is God's perfect plan. And when you're grieving and those emotions are so raw, to hear that, you, it's like you said, you want to grab them by the throat and go, this is not the time for you to tell me this is God's perfect plan. Right. And in you know, hindsight, you go, yes, but really it's not his perfect plan. Exactly. His perfect plan was in the Garden of Eden before the fall. Right. So we are not in heaven. We are on earth, and he might allow these things to happen, and if and if we allow it, it'll all be for his, his good. But but when you're going through it, I think as believers, we need to, you know, really be careful on how quickly we want to throw the Scripture and um, throw those, you know, quotes <laughs> right. at each other. And when you are going through a tragedy, sometimes it's okay just to, to allow that person to have those emotions and be angry. Uh, you know what? I, I think you are so dead on right. And and one of the things that I've tried to explain to people is, as I've said, you know, God's been around a while, and and he's heard it all. And and he made us so he knows we get angry and he knows uh, what we're going through and and I think it's okay to say you know God I am really 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 mad at you and I don't understand and and to say those things and I don't think it's a situation where God's going to strike us dead um, you know he. Uh, he is a compassionate and a loving God, and he and and I look at it, the the guy who murdered your mother, uh, Glenn Ake and Stephen Hatch, who who murdered my parents. You know, they, they God gave us a choice, and they exercised their choice, and they did the things that they did. And I don't believe that God caused that to happen. I, I think He allowed uh, my parents. To you know, nature to take its course, and they died, but but not with uh, with Leslie and me. He um, he intervened uh, for whatever reason or reasons, and and I may never know fully. But at, at the end of the day, um, you know, we just I think God wants us to express uh, the things that we feel and and to and to get it out there, and then at that point He can begin to work with us and. Absolutely, and we only have two minutes till break, but I think it's taking off those masks that so many times, you know, with legalism and, and saying the, the, the right verses and, and um, being able to truly be authentic is what we, how we can best represent Christ Absolutely. and help others. I think we have been so detrimental um, in the last decade of not representing Christ in such a way that we can can be real and can be authentic. Um, I want to switch subjects here on when we go into the next segment and talk about how you then went and fought uh, for victims' rights. I just think it's so intriguing that you took what um, – what happened to you, and then went and became the the youngest senator in Oklahoma, 
and um, began fighting for the rights of, of victims, which, by the way, has benefited in my, my mom's case as well. So it's just, once again, I'm so intrigued when I found out that you were the one that started that procedure. So um, we want to go ahead and go take a commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to Brooks Douglas, and we're going to talk about um, how he went in and fought for those This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Get ready to remove my Bella Vita with Dawn Catherine on togginap.com. Live La Bella Vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live La Bella Vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, LaBellaVitaCosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for you to be a rock star. Get ready to rock with Rock Talk and Craig Deswalt and learn how to achieve rock star status in your industry every Tuesday afternoon at 2, 1 Central on Toginet.com. Craig Deswalt is the creator of the Rock Star System for Success. Craig will share easy tips and strategies on how entrepreneurs and businesses can use outside-the-box marketing strategies to stand out from the competition. Each high-energy show will feature interviews with celebrity rock stars as well as business rock stars. For more on Craig, the show, and the Rockstar Marketing Boot Camps, check out the website, CraigDuswalt.com, so you can learn how to be perceived as an expert and celebrity in your field, so more people come to you to buy your services and products. Then, get ready to be a rock star with Rock Talk and Craig Duswalt. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on Druggynet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a bug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Druggynet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We are talking with Brooks Douglas today, and Brooks, you championed a bill for victims' rights, and first of all, I want to just say thank you for your hard work in making that happen, and I love your statement that you, um, that you had said in court one day, that our system steps over the bodies of the victims in an effort to seek justice for the murderers, and um, I just, I find that so true, and, and I get why we have to protect those um, 
those people in the system that could be innocent, that we have mm-hmm. to go through all means, but sometimes when it's so blatant that this is the person, this is the murderer, this is the killer, and we will just bend over backwards to give them every single situation. I know in um, while I was going through court, we went through for three years, and um, one of the things that the the murderer of, of my mom, his name is Richard Glossell, he wanted, um, you know, hearing aids, and then he wanted to sit in a wheelchair because it was uncomfortable, uncomfortable for him on the bench. And he want, and you're watching all this happen for them to treat, you know, this guy who who did such a horrific, you know, act, and they're bending over backwards to make sure that he's comfortable. And, right. and it, it's hard. It's hard to watch. It's hard to go through. And um, I know you really fought the system on that. And that that's just such a simplistic thing to say, oh, the man wanted hearing aids. I mean, it gets so much, um, you know, worse than that. And oh, yeah. Tell us a little Lawyers bit about and, that. Well, um, when I first went into the Senate, I, I to be honest about it, I was I skirted or dodged the issue of victims' rights just because I didn't I didn't want to uh, look like this uh, crusading grandstanding kind of new freshman legislator and <laughs> and so um, I, I really stayed away from it and what happened was I got a, a call from. Uh, try to make the story as short as possible. But I got a call from a reporter saying that the Hatch case had the distinction of being the slowest moving case on death row in Oklahoma, that it was only on the third step of a nine-step appellate process and uh, after 13 years. And that a lot of the reason was that for the last two years, the Oklahoma Court of Criminal Appeals had lost the file. Um, and I, I remember just saying, you've got to be kidding me. You've lost the file in a capital case. Well, and I happened to be going on this committee uh, called Appropriations about that time and, and on the subcommittee that funded the judiciary. And so when this uh, chief judge came in with the appellate court and uh, was asking for more money, I remember looking across the table at him and saying, look, you know, I know that you know that I know that you lost the file. And and I said, uh, and, and he and I knew each other, had known each other for a little while, and I said, look, if you, if, you know, you need to get this case handed down, you need to get the file piece back together, and until you do, and I literally said, you're going to have to learn how to do your job with a number two pencil and a big chief writing tablet, <laughs> because that's all you're going to have, and you're not going to have another dollar. And and miraculously, within about 45 days, they found everything, got a piece together, a decision handed down. And I even said, look, I don't care what the decision is, which, of course, wasn't true. I said, you, you need to get it handed down. And, and I remember getting up from that committee meeting, going to my office, and being so angry mm-hmm. uh, and thinking, you know, this this isn't about me. This is about the level of control that these people have over our lives, mm-hmm. and that they don't do their jobs. And and I still am don't know of another crime victim that's ever had that kind of a forum mm-hmm. with a judge or these kinds of people that have so much power and to be able to say. If you don't do your job, I'm going to make sure there's consequences, and there's going to be immediate consequences. Mm-hmm. You can always say, well, you're going to get out and campaign to get you beaten and all those kinds of things. But but where I was I was able to hit it right where 
it made sense to him and to, and to force some kind of action. And that was the day that I called in uh, our staff that a few minutes later, and I said, I don't know what a victim's right is, which in 1990, almost 1992, and there really weren't any. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, I don't know what it is. I keep hearing talk about it, but uh, I want to know what we have on the books. I want to know what every state has done, which at that point wasn't much. And and I said, and we're gonna we're gonna figure this thing out together, and we're gonna line up a whole parade of victims' rights for, for as long as I'm part of this body, and and make changes because in the movie, you know, there's the reference to. Uh, some, a couple of things that we attributed to somebody else, but it was actually from our case. The car that I drove to the doctor's house that night was towed and impounded by the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation. Oh. It was a hundred, as evidence, it was $115 that we had to pay to get our own car back. Mm-hmm. Um, because there was no provision in the lottery and bursus. Mm-hmm. When Leslie was in the hospital and they, they use what's called a rape kit to, do an examination to 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 gather evidence of a rape. It's over five hundred dollars. Mm. We had to pay for that out of our pockets um, to get. Well, the even evidence. down to having to pay when you're going through years of going through the court proceedings, you're paying right. for parking at ten yeah. fifteen dollars a day, which sounds so silly. But all of that stuff adds up. And taking time off work to to oh. go um, or whatever it is that you're doing away from your family or. To, to go deal with this. Yes, yes. Yeah. So the fact that you have bought that, and even down to, I know um, you you made it available for the victims to watch the execution, which just sounds right. so morbid, but there sh- they should have the right. Yeah. And um, also just in some of the other funds that are available. My, my dad fought with Senator Kyle, um, Steve mm-hmm. Twist, and some others. Uh, my mom has a bill that is, helping the victims be able to even speak where right. before when we through our trial my dad did not want the death penalty and uh-huh. he never was able to have a voice so now they can at least the victims can at least have a voice where they can stand up in court and say this is this is what so i would like they weren't allowed to give victim impact statements no, no. wow I I apologize. We were allowed to have an impact statement, but it had to be cleared by both attorneys as to what we had said. And as my sister and I, we did offer forgiveness, and it was an emotional impact statement. But now he's appealing it, saying that that um, there was too many emotions involved to the jury because he is on death row um, right now. So he's appealing it because of that. But... um, it's just interesting that, yeah, that the attorneys had to okay it. Yeah, um, that's, it, that's not right. Mm-hmm. So I so appreciate that you have um, fought for all those victims' rights. Definitely we need more people like you that can get in there and say, no, this is not the way it should be. I also want to unpack what took place when at one point when you were in court and Ake was walking in front of you uh-huh. and there was a sheriff escorting him 
and you had all kinds of emotions, I'm sure, um, in your head why he's right in front of you. And so many times we don't touch on, on that, just what takes place when you're seeing this person, yet alone he was walking right in front of you with the sheriff that happened to have a gun on his side. So tell us a little bit about those emotions that you had. Well, that was a that was a crazy time and an experience. The the U.S. Supreme Court about a year before, a little over a year before uh, that hearing, had uh, Ake had Ake was a shooter. He'd had the death penalty. He had pled insanity, and the, he got the death penalty anyway. Well, then his case went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, um, who, in a landmark decision, came back and said he should have been provided with a safe, paid for psychiatrist, which. Um, is a whole other can of worms, but yes. so we go back, we do the trial, and, and we have a new trial seven years later, and and in that trial, because the the his now new psychiatrist got upset, he's going to be dead within two years because of the levels of thorazine that he's taking and things like that. Um, they the, he got life sentences um, this time around, and I remember just being shell shocked and and mm-hmm. stunned. and um, and I walked out of the courtroom and and I was headed down the hallway, and right in front of me through this other door pops Glenn Ake, and who had been you know he had cowering down and had his head down the whole time during the trial, and as soon as he cleared the doorway, he raises his head up slaps his lawyer on the back and says, hell of a job, man. Oh. Um, and they and they start cuffing him. And, and I walked up, and the way that it happened, because he came out and right in front of me, I was three feet away from him, three wow. or four feet at the most. And right between me and him was this um, sheriff's deputy with a, with a revolver on his side. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember looking down at that gun and looking at him, and the thought going through my mind was, you know, two can play this game. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're crazy, I'm crazy too. <laughs> and um, and literally starting to reach for it. And just about the time that I started to think, yeah, but do I want to spend the next 15 years uh, of my life uh, talking about being crazy um, and sitting in a mental hospital? <laughs> Maybe not. But I, I mean, it was it was going back and forth in my mind. And uh, about that time, the, it was actually the DA uh, who had gone to the back of the uh, the, the gallery to, to catch me and to apologize to me. And she came out the door and walked up behind me and just happened to see me looking at the guy. Saw, you know, she got the whole picture really quickly. <laughs> and she grabbed my arm and escorted me away. Um, but it was, you know, it was a, a really... Um, ultimately terrifying kind of moment because um, anything could have happened right then. As as angry and sad and um, hurt and, you know, feeling betrayed, um, all of those things as I was feeling um, and violated, uh, I felt like, uh, you know, this has got to stop. This has got to stop somehow. Yes. And thank you for sharing those emotions because, once again, so many times, you know, as believers, we go, oh, you're not allowed to have those emotions because you have Jesus inside of you. And it's like those are real, true emotions that we have to talk about. And it's exactly what you said. It's how you deal with those emotions. And, yes, God is going to help us and and, and get us through those. But there are going to be emotions that are going to hit us unexpectedly and um, we are going on a commercial break and we're going to be right back with Douglas 
This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, FairytaleWishesInc.com. And for Deanna, TheNextBigZing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen. On toginet.com. The multi-ethnic church with Mark DeMoz. Thursday afternoons at 1, noon central, is a show that passionately addresses the question, if the kingdom of heaven is not segregated, then why on earth is your local church? They call us Yes, increasingly, our diverse population and the diverse families it's producing is reshaping the face of the local church as people are beginning to recognize the power and beauty of walking, working, and worshiping God together with others of different backgrounds. How can your church overcome the obstacles, and why should you even try? Join a live chat with guests from around the country and the world to learn the effectiveness of churches in the 21st century beyond race and class distinction. This show has its pulse on what it will take for the church to find real reconciliation in our generation. So tune in for the Multi-Ethnic Church with Mark DeMoss, Thursday afternoons at 1, noon central, here on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a bug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back. We are talking with Brooks Douglas, and we are just unpacking, unpacking an incredible story of how Brooks was able to um, go through the murder of his parents and just a horrific crime that happened to him and his sister, Leslie. And, Brooks, I wanted to talk a little bit more about um, the fact that you were able to go in and visit um, the man who killed your parents and did this horrific crime to you and your sister. Tell us a little bit about how that was, uh, how that unfolded and what took place in that meeting with um, the killer. Um, well, I'd been in the Senate for a few years, and uh, and, and the way that it, this isn't exactly the way it, it uh, plays out in the movie, but I I was going to the prison um, where. Both guys were were then being held. Uh, the one that was on death row, and then uh, Glenn Akers, we just talked about, was not. Uh, he was now had life sentences and and had been moved back there. And I was going there on a legislative leadership tour and and to give a speech uh, to to this, this group. And um, and I was as I was touring the prison, um, you know, I I really just wanted to know where he was, and part of it was literally out of fear I was going to turn a corner and run into the guy and so uh, I asked where he was uh, 
uh, they took me to a yard. He's normally locked down 23 hours a day, and they said it's during the hour that he's in the yard, and and, I, and do you want to see him? I said, sure. I, and I walked out, and I looked at him, and, and uh, you know, all that anger and rage that I really thought I was over. I, I did mm-hmm. not believe that I really carried it around with me, but it came uh, the you know the hair on the back of my neck was raising up and and um, and and what I said to them was I want to see him and uh, they said uh, absolutely not you, you you know you can't do that um, and over the a course of a, of a couple of hours you know I finally got to the point where I said look I'm on this committee called appropriations and then they said okay we'll work it out um, and so. I never would have had the opportunity to meet with him had I not been a state senator, which is a shame, which is not right. Um, but uh, I wound up being able to force this meeting, um, and and I remember as I was walking into the room to see him, um, the, all of that. You know, I was I was playing back through my mind what the, what happened that night. And uh, and I remember thinking to myself, maybe this is what this has all been about. Mm. Yeah, that you know, the time in the military, the time you know, being trained on on how to defend myself, how to you know, hurt other people. The mm-hmm. time uh, you know, getting going to law school, getting elected to the Senate, you know, having the access that I have now. Maybe you know, he escaped justice. Maybe this is what what my destiny is. And uh, and I remember thinking through the possibilities of what could happen being in the room with him. And uh, of all the ones that I could think of, none of them uh, were good, I, I'd have to say. You know, it was a matter of who went at who first and all those kinds of things. And and um, then you know, I wound up, and obviously in the movie we didn't have enough time to depict all this, but the meeting went on for about an hour and a half. Wow. Um, and he started right off with, I, I want you to know I'm so so sorry for what I did to you and your family, mm. which completely threw me a curveball because uh-huh. um, I really thought this guy is either going to come at me, I'm going to go at him, or he's going to start playing crazy, which is had been his whole history. Mm-hmm. Um, and and instead, um, he was I think very genuinely remorseful. Um, you know, I said to him early in the, that meeting, and after he apologized, I said, "You know, my father was a minister. Always taught me that I should forgive, but that's not going to happen. Um, that's not in me to do." Um, and and we and he said, "I understand," and we continued on with the conversation. Um, and it was it was a really, you know, obviously life changing, but but mm-hmm. interesting conversation from from the get go, but. Um, an hour and a half later, I remember I got up, I walked over to the door, put my hand on, on the handle and started to go out. And I just felt, you know, something pulled me back and say, you're not finished here. Um, and I looked back at him and I went over and I sat down and I said, again, you know, my, my father always taught me that I should forgive. Um, and I said, buy it. And then, uh, and then I remember saying, I, I forgive you. And, and I remember literally falling back into my chair and and feeling like um and 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 I didn't realize until I was walking into that room, like I said, how much anger and how much rage I, I had and and it was like at the moment that I said that I told him I forgave him, like being full of water, and it was full of i mean it was just poison, and I could almost 
feet open up and water flooding out all over the floor. Um, and and it was like a, this poison just pouring out. And um, and I remember feeling like somebody took a clamp off of my chest and I could breathe for the first time in 15 years. And uh, it, it was just a it was a it was a life changing moment and experience. And uh, yeah, it still affects me very much to, to this day. Well, that is the most powerful scene in in that movie. I mean, it you, you're just it's it's so captivating hearing you share, just reminiscing with him, and then um, both of you on the forgiveness level. And that's what's so complicated when you have not gone through a horrific thing or have had to deal with forgiveness. So many times, at least for me, in growing up, I I used to see forgiveness as a it, it's a one time shot. Right. You you pray, you ask Jesus to help you forgive, and then you're done. You know, it's, it's you're cleansed. Right. You know that um, for so many people, it's a, it's a daily thing. Just like right. you said, you had thought you had dealt with that, and yet to have that the emotions of rage and anger come over you, you I, I know um, I felt like I had forgiven, and then it'll just be the most simplistic thing where you you do you get angry again that this person did such a senseless, stupid, idiotic thing that it's right. hard then to release it back over to the Lord again. And I know in watching that, that scene, even my daughter said, I wonder if Brooks has continued a relationship with him or if you've gone back at all because it was such an intense moment of your history together with this, you know, this horrific right. crime and, and tragedy. So have you seen him again since that, that time? Um, I, I haven't spoken to him. I, we shot part of the movie at the prison where it happened, and uh, there was one night we were shooting a scene out in this courtyard, the, the scene where they're walking through the rain at yes. the end of it. And um, and about 2 o'clock in the morning after we finished shooting, and it was the last night we were there, uh, I saw the light in his cell come on and wow. saw him peering out the window at us. So, um, yeah, I've seen him but haven't spoken. Um, and I, and it, it was really tempting to do. Um, and I remember thinking, finally, at, at, and I know people that have carried on established relationships with people that have murdered their loved ones, and, you know, I'm happy for them, and that's what they want to do. And uh, for me, uh, I just asked the question, I would I have anything in common with this person but for this event? And, yeah. and I, I just thought, you know, it's, for me, it's, it's not a healthy thing. Um, and so I, I decided not to. Yeah, he wrote me a couple of letters, and I and I gave him my address, and I said, uh, you know, my, pay, my P.O. box. Uh, but I said, uh, you know, you can... Uh, you know, you can write me here if there's something you think of and, you know, that you didn't say and you wish you had said, you know, I hope you you will. And he did write me a couple of times. And then he actually just passed away um, uh, the night before Easter this year, a couple of months ago. Oh. Yeah. Well, he he, he was young. Yeah, he was 55. And uh, and I think what uh, they said it was liver, uh, liver disease, and I, I think it was from the... Yeah, you know, the medication. Well, medics, you know, things he was taking, different kinds of of uh, drugs. But then I think some of the medication that they had, had him on during the time he was in the mental hospital uh, got him as well. Yeah. Well, um, we only have three minutes. This this show has gone by way too quickly, Brooks. And I would love to have you on again. I, you bet. I 
want to talk a little bit about how um, people can get a hold of Heaven's Rain. I had so many other questions. I wanted to find out the title, why you named it that, as well as if you could just give one tip to our listeners on forgiveness, what, what would that be? I mean, just so many people struggle with this. It's the hardest and yet most powerful thing that we can do in our, in our life. What, what would you say to them? Um, first of all, it's not a natural act. I think it's like jumping out of a perfectly good airplane. Um, but that it, 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 that it's the way God has designed us. It's what we have to do if we're going to be able to move forward. And that sometimes it takes a very long time. It took 15 years. Um, and even then, I, I didn't see it coming when I walked in to meet with Glenn Hake that day. But I believe that if we are even at the point where we're willing to say, God, you know, I'm, I'm not ready to do this, and I may not be ready, but I'm willing to, I want to be obedient, and I'm willing to do what you want me to do. I'm willing to try if you'll help me go there. I believe God honors that, and that through the twists and turns that he brings us through in life, he'll eventually bring us to the point where, where we can do what we far more than what we ever believed we could, and uh, that God gets us to that point where we can forgive, and if we're if we're at least willing to be made willing, um, that that He'll get there. And uh, as far as the movie goes, um, and I know you just have a second here, but uh, if they go to the website, it's heavensrainmovie.com. Uh, they can order the DVD. We had been back ordered, but they've now this week have been shipped. Um, and so there, we've had far more orders than we ever thought we would. Um, also, we do events. Uh, you know, we did one in Tucson. We've been doing them all over the country, whether it's a, a church group or a victims' rights group or, or you know, DAs have put them on. We had a great event, had a thousand people at the at the Reagan Library here in California uh, a few weeks ago. We've and, and so, you know, either if, if I can come and, and it can be worked out sometimes, uh, you know, I come to those but and we'll do a Q&A afterwards. But, but people can get the movie for their, uh, for their group and show it, and, and it's had amazing, amazing. I mean, the, the stories of forgiveness uh, and the stories where, you know, God has touched people's lives have, have just been amazing to hear. Well, we just want to thank you, Brooks. This has been just a powerful hour. And once again, go to heavensrainmovie.com to find out more information. And thanks again, Brooks. Thank you so much, Patty. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show to 